back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we will have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you have a question or what have you, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And uh, also we have a Patreon. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diaryofdoom. Uh, please consider signing up if you want to hear some additional fun content. But without further ado, our guest for this week is Bob Balk, who you probably know best from being in Fu Manchu. And he's got another album coming out uh, with Big Scenic Nowhere. I think it'll be out by the time this episode uh, comes out for sure. So thanks for coming on the show, man. It's uh, it's a real, real honor and privilege to have you on. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. You know, obviously, I don't think I need to explain like what Fu Manchu is. And uh, I think everybody or anybody who tunes into this podcast probably knows that band. I would imagine very informative to a lot of people checking out this genre of music for sure. To dial the clock back in time, like, do you come from a musical background or, um, you know, what are your earliest experiences with music? Uh, did you grow up in a musical family or was it something you found on your own? Um, a, a little bit. I mean, my, my dad was kind of a crooner, you know, he's like a Sinatra type dude, but just at like, you know, like parties and karaoke and shit, he was good at that stuff. But yeah, my, my brother was like a guitar enthusiast and then, and then he, he got shipped off to the army for uh, misbehaving several times or whatever. My parents were like, we don't know what to do with this kid. He was on like <laughs> Iron Maiden and, and Dio and stuff like, you know, early heavy metal or early 80s heavy metal. And uh, when he, when he got shipped off, like he left his guitar and his records behind. And so, you know, I was like in maybe fifth grade or something and just absorbed everything that he left behind. So I still have the guitar that I got from that time, but I used to record on uh, the last big scenic nowhere record. Yeah, I just took took all of his his vinyl and his cassettes and his metal T-shirts and his guitar and everything, and just kind of filled filled the role, and uh, and then from there just started taking lessons around I don't know seventh grade, and uh, yeah, I took lessons all the way up until after high school, and then right when I graduated high school, I met Brad. I, I kind of knew Brad from high school a little bit, but he Brad's a bass player in Fu Manchu. I kind of knew Brad a little bit in high school we'd see each other at parties and stuff like that but i ended up working with him at, at a at a guitar store named music house where actually i replaced uh taylor from the foo fighters he worked there oh he wow quit, he quit to join Alanis morissette or something and then there was an open spot and i was like oh let me work here i already know all you dudes because i took lessons here for years and so i was working with brad from fu manchu and he's like hey we just we don't have a guitar player or drummer anymore we were thinking of getting brant from caius and you know, if, if you'd be willing to, to jam out. And I'm like, totally. I love Fu Manchu. I was already into it. I was only 19. So I was kind of concerned if they were going to, if they were going to let me join the band. Cause I'm like, I don't even know if I can get into the clubs. <laughs> you know, I, I, if I get carded, I can't play the show, but it was never an issue. And we went on tour a couple months later. I was 19. We went on tour for like seven weeks in the States and there was never an issue. So but yeah, that was, that was a really big time in my life to be like, well, I'm like in this band that I loved. So that was pretty cool. So you basically like got revenge against your older brother for tormenting you <laughs> by stealing all of his shit. Nah, he never really tormented <laughs> me. The worst he ever did was he like locked me in a closet and blasted like the Halloween soundtrack <laughs> with the lights out when I was a kid. But no, it was cool. Um, he, he basically just 
he's like, here, this is Iron Maiden. This, these are the Scorpions. This is ACDC and everything. So I, I got all that stuff from him. And then, you know, back in the, in the eighties with like MTV had like headbangers ball. And as mm-hmm. a kid, I would record that and, and just absorb all that stuff. So I, I was way into it since day one. That's why I still have the same amp that's right here, this little PV amp that I had back in the day that I learned on. And yeah, so it was good. There's no revenge on the, on the brother's side of things. But yeah, he's, he came out to see Spamanchu a couple of years after that. And he was just like, whoa, that's crazy. You guys are, you guys are touring. You guys, you know, you're in like a touring band. That's, that's pretty awesome. And, and that, that was like 97. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's crazy that we're still kind of doing it. I mean, we were going to be doing it a lot, but the whole world paused for a bit. But hopefully, hopefully, we'll be out in March. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, that would be for the thirtieth, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, we were talking about it like, all right, thirty first, and then we're like, all right, thirty second, and now it's <laughs> like, all right, fuck it, right? You know, we'll just go on tour. <laughs> it's fine. I was turning thirty in 2020 and then obviously as you said the world came to a halt so i was just like all right this fucking sucks i mean like it was just sort of like very you know you just have like the rug pulled out from underneath you i'm like i'll celebrate next year and then you know and then you're at 32 and i'm like well i'm at 32 and it's kind of like yeah that that's a that's a hard age to go through all that shit like i'm 44 now so, you know, and I've been touring since I was 19. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to chill for a year or whatever. You know, but I would rather have been on the road and doing stuff. But it, it was nice to be around family and, and uh, I don't know, just kind of hang out here. But yeah, to be in your early 30s, like you're, you're still, you still want to go out and do stuff. You know, I'm like an old dude. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just want to watch the same 80s movies over and over again and chill at home. So it's fine. I've already, I've already done a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, that could be. Yeah, different. I want to go see Fu Manchu. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. I mean, to, to play a show would be really cool. I mean, I, we got a show coming up next month. It's our first one back in two years. And it, it'll be it'll be heavy. It'll be rad to be on stage. And I did one show with Big Scenic Nowhere in November, and that was that was a big one for me because it was my first show since COVID started, and it was my first show with our first show as a band. So that that was a big one. But the, the Fu Manchu one will be really cool. I, I can't wait for that. With you joining, uh, you know, Fu Manchu, which I didn't realize you were like just straight out of high school with that. You know, that's pretty funny. Compared, your parents were like, "Well, uh, he's the older one's going off to military school, and uh, this one, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be okay." Your first album was Action Is Go, unless there's some detail that I'm I'm missing. Uh, yeah, no, that, that was the first full length. I did a um, the first recording I did with them was a cover of uh, Thin Lizzy's Jailbreak. That and that we did jailbreak and we did uh, a version of Unknown World that was on Action Is Go, so that was just to try out the engineer that we were using and everything. But yeah, so but the first full length was Action Is Go. Yeah, I, I was pretty pretty young and, and looking back, it, I, I'm pretty stoked that I was able to be part of that record because it's a really good record. You know, when I was 19 and we did that record, I was listening to it and I had a a biased opinion because I was on it. And I'm like, is this really as good as I think it is because I'm on it or I don't know, but I like it. It's, it's rad. And it's, it's cool that it's, it's gotten us a lot of fans and I still throw it on every now and again and just trip on it. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how young I was. And I just, I had long hair and I just shaved my head, <laughs> like, had like a buzz cut, you know, and I had long hair all throughout high school and like a drunken bet shaved my head one night. And then, and then Davis was like, you want to join the band? I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't have shaved my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all those old photos it's funny i have like a little tennis ball haircut looking thing but um yeah it was, it was good it was good to be on that one 
I, I should have asked this one before, but I mean, did you have like a specific uh, heavy metal album or really just any album in general that you would credit for like kind of pivoting you in a, in a different direction? Like maybe you started looking at things a little bit differently. That whole time of just going from like skateboarding with my friends and playing Nintendo to like, oh shit, this is like heavy metal. Like I got way into it. But I mean, the, the first show I saw was Ozzy. And that was like really eye opening. It was like the No Rest for the Wicked tour, eighty six, eighty seven. But yeah, that and I was like in sixth grade. I was just like, holy shit! Like this is something that I, I would love to do. That'd be great. But all that stuff was just like a flood of yeah uh, of bands and information. But the, the one thing that like really tripped me out was um, some of the early like DRI stuff. Because as a kid, I would go into Tower Records and I would buy anything with like a skull on it, you know, and like a heavy metal logo. I'd be like, ah, this is. I'll just check this out, whatever. And the DRI, I think it was Violent Pacification, if I'm not mistaken. But there's like like 25 songs on it or some crazy amount of songs for like $5. You know, as a kid, I was like, oh, that's a good deal. I'll buy that shit. And I brought it home. And and I, I thought that my tape player was broken because it was all that stuff was so fast. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that whole world yet. You know, so that, that cassette, I would just look at it and go, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And then you know over a couple of weeks i was like oh i get it they just play extremely fucking fast and that led to you know fear and the misfits and circle jerks and you know all the, all the black flag and stuff like that and that was kind of eye-opening because because that shit wasn't on mtv or anything so i was only i was being spoon-fed a lot of stuff and then i got into that that one cassette i was like dude i don't, I don't even know anything like this that's crazy i found out about them because not your Scott Reader, other Scott Reader, yeah. um, mentioned them in the documentary, Such Hawks, Such such Hounds. And he said something along the lines of like, you know, you think Metallica plays fast, you should listen to fucking DRI. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, it is just like insane. Like just yeah. kind of batshit crazy, even for hardcore, whatever, you know, what it is. And it's not really your style of music uh, playing, but I've always, I've always kind of like, kind of been of the opinion, like Fu Manchu was like, fast but slow if that makes any sense yeah i mean there's elements of that stuff and you know everyone in the band grew up going they're like hill's seen all those bands like our mm-hmm. singer he was old enough to go see all that shit and like he tells me the bands that he's seen i'm just like oh my god dude that's that's insane because i wasn't able to go to shows till that whole thing was kind of like changing mm-hmm. you know like late 80s but he'll get to see all those bands um so that it was a big influence on on fumetsu and if, if you take like like SSD songs or DRI or, or Bad Brains or any of those guys and, and slow them down and fuzz them out, you'd be like, oh shit, it kind of sounds like Fu Manchu in a weird way. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree to that. You know, considering like Fu's discography is pretty like extensive by now, including the three albums that came out before you, did you feel pressure having to live up to uh, the preceding players' reputations or was the band still kind of like young enough that fans were just ready to hear more no no people people at first were like where's eddie like setting up like pedals and shit you know on the first tour we did and that didn't bother me i mean i was 19 i was just stoked to be on tour i was like oh he's not the band anymore you know so i I mean i wasn't gonna get all offended but i was a fan of the band first and foremost so i just joining it i was like well, i'll just i don't want to like reinvent anything or do anything out of the ordinary i'm just gonna do what, what i i want this what I would want to hear, you know, from from the guitar player, in Fu Manchu. So I was kind of just doing Eddie's thing for a little bit, and yeah, it was, it 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 wasn't like anything 
stressful or anything. I was just stoked to be there, you know, and, and learning like all those tunes. I think I got like 18 tunes to learn. That was kind of gnarly, but I just listened to them over and over again. And I, I already knew, like, if you listen to music enough, like, you, you know, when, when things change and you memorize lyrics and shit like that. So I already had that stuff. It's just getting it out of my head and onto the guitar. But I was, it, it was, it was pretty smooth. It, it wasn't too. And the, and the lineups for the band has been pretty consistent after you joined the, obviously the other big kind of shakeup was, uh, uh, again, Scott, not Caius Reader coming in to fill in uh, Ramp York shoes. And from there, like Fu Manchu shoes basically like never stopped. And I'm assuming a lot of it's changed. But I mean, like for you, like what do you what what's changed for you since joining in 97? I mean, obviously, like, you know, the advent of the Internet and, and digital and, um, you know, kind of the, the rise in popularity of the genre came along in the 2000s. But like, you know, from the musician's point of view, like what? You know, what's been like the biggest change for you? Like the whole file sharing thing is, I changed everything, you know, like being able to to download music and stuff. I remember when, when King of the Road came out, we had a meeting with our manager at the time and he's like, things are going to like, this whole landscape's going to change. Everything's going to change. And so we got to try to, we got to try to change with it. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I don't even know how, I, I have no idea how we got to shows. I mean, I wasn't driving that much, so that's that's probably why. Cause I was, I was like a little kid, but road atlases and like get pulling over to find a pay phone to call the club and to be like, Hey, we're, we're, I think we're at this highway. How do we get, I have no clue how we got to any, how we didn't got anything done. Cause now, you know, you're on your phone. You're like, Oh, turn left here. Everything's like way easier. Yeah. But it'll just yeah, tell you where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, we were like, literally like looking at maps. <laughs> so it's like, how do we get, and we're here, I think. And then, you know, I, I'm surprised we made it to any show really, but yeah, I mean, and then the file sharing thing, it's definitely become a lot easier to record, obviously, because you, mm. know, you don't have to, I don't have to go into into a studio as much anymore, which is, it's cool. I can get a lot done from home. But yeah, back then it would, it would be like load up the car with everything I have and take it to a studio and, 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 and you're getting, you know, charged by the hour. So you really have to kind of nail stuff quickly. Now I could like take my time and, and, and think about things and do multiple takes so that's kind of cool i like that aspect of it obviously like you've gotten to play with you know a ton of different kinds of bands over the years i mean is that something that like you ex that you expected because i'm sure that like when the band started you kind of had like your niche but i mean you've toured with bands like the deftones you've played like at metallica festivals sort of like you know things that don't necessarily like line up with your sound uh you know like is that like a tough sell for audiences or is it just like nah man like they're founders of the genre like you gotta respect it, i mean it, it depends the the deftones that was right before i joined when they toured with the deftones and mm -hmm. i think that was like actually limp biscuit who met you in the deftones which wow. is like and when, when i joined like a few years after i joined we did a tour with pod and seven dust and uh yeah i, I feel like like it was it was big crowds it was really cool obviously us going out with like corrosion conformity or clutch or something is more along the lines of like the people that are there are probably gonna dig it but everything's all of it's been cool you know i i like playing with bands that don't really have much to do with us i think it's it's pretty like we've done festivals with like beastie boys and portishead and like weird things that have nothing really to do with our style of music but um i don't know i, I like that kind of stuff i think it's cool the metallica thing that, that was that was a highlight that was really fun but there was a lot of bands on that there's like 30 bands on there so 
yeah of all different like walks yeah. of life yeah yeah i mean we, we we played the day after flag which i got to see flag that was really cool and then uh oh, i saw metallica played kill them all from start to finish that, that was insane like and, and they, they were advertised as a band i think it was called dehan which nobody knew who that was it was just oh, he's the actor in that weird movie they made right yeah 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 yeah, I learned that after the fact. But yeah, they, they played on the same stage as us when they had a big backdrop to Dion. They were loading up gear and our manager was like, this is Metallica. They're going to do Kill Em All. So stand right here. And yeah, that was insane to see that. That was really cool. Because that, that that record, I mean, Kill Em All, like that's, I get a lot of my stuff, my soloing and stuff from that record. Because as a kid, mm-hmm. I was just trying to do that over and over and over and over. Especially that, that Metallica record. So that was really cool to watch. And, you know, he's like i heard that you know james hetfield might introduce you guys like he wants to go on stage but everyone this is Fu Manchu, and you know i was like that this is insane there's no way that's gonna happen and he starts cruising in a golf cart and i'm like here he comes it's gonna fucking happen it's totally good where's he going oh he split now he's gone (laughs) it never happened but yeah that that was a cool one man That, that was a fun game to play nice i love i like that image of james hetfield just cruising on by in a golf cart it was a it was a long yeah it was a long viewing it was really small at first. I'm like, wait, that that is James Hetfield. Holy shit. Oh, here he comes. And no. <laughs> I'm sure like you've seen like a lot of, you know, over the years, like folks kind of come and go, but like the interest in, in like stoner rock and doom metal and like the adjacent got really popular in like the 2010s, you know, like kind of before that, did you ever think that like, like this is there's a chance that like you know uh, we never we don't know what's going to happen like down the road uh who knows if we're going to be around in like the next year whatever whatever but like you really like stuck it out for the long haul and i think a lot of that comes from just like really strong support in the in the fan base i mean what's like kind of the 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 landscape for the the scene sort of like changed from your perspective you know i'm i'm on the east coast here not the west coast but i know that like there's still that pretty big contingent of fans out there in the desert that are digging on this music. Yeah, I mean, the the, the show's gotten bigger for us, which was a good indicator of something cool, you know. But it's it with with us, it's it was just kind of like, you know, cruising up shows are getting bigger and bigger. There was never like a big spike in like, you know, like in the '80s where bands would just get huge and then fall apart. Yeah, you know, for us it was like this. We we just keep doing it because we get along, and it's like. I'd rather do it than not do it, and I, I love doing it. So we'd be doing it regardless of however many people are at the shows. I'd, I'd imagine. I mean, financially, you know, I, I can't really go on the road and lose money, but but yeah, it, the shows just got a little bit bigger here and there. And then I, you know, I started hearing the term stoner rock in like the late '90s, and I was like, huh. But we used to do tours with like Acid King back then, mm-hmm. and, and you know, we would be like, what's this stoner rock thing that I keep hearing? And you go to Europe, and and yeah, all these bands start popping up and it's, it's cool. It's, it's really, it's rad to, to be able to see that it's become that strong. You know, I mean, like, it's like a style of music that, that you can like, you know, you, you, you can find on like iTunes or some shit. You just write stone rock and it's like, Oh, here it is right here. Here's all these bands. Yeah. Back, back then it, I don't know. We were just trying to do shit that we were, that we grew up listening to and that we were into, but I'm stoked that it, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that it, it, it a lot of people are into it and, and we still get to do it and everything, but it has, the landscape hasn't changed too much. I mean, I remember going to Europe and, and playing to like, you know, in London to like 300 people in like a really packed small club. And, you know, now we go over there and we play to like maybe 700 people, 
So it's like, it's grown a little bit, but it's not by any means like it's crazy stadium size shows or anything. But the festivals have gotten huge though. Like, yeah, the festival like, thing. Like Desert Fest. And like we had like Desert Fest last year. And I remember go, like, it was like an airplane hangar. It was enormous. It fit like 6,000 people. And then we, we cruised in, we flew in, and the guy that was like working there that put on the show, he's like, Yeah, it's sold out tonight. And I was like, What? It's like looking around, like, this place is enormous. It's sold out. He's like, It was sold out last night, too. So that's really awesome that, that we're able to play to crowds that big. And just flying and do that and then come home and then be like, what the fuck happened last weekend? That's crazy. I think we did. <laughs> we did Desert Fest like those two shows. And I think, you know, in like three days, we, we played to like 12,000 people. And then I came home and I'm, I'm back in this chair. Like, wait, what? <laughs> that just happened? That's insane. So that's really cool to be able to do that instead of going over there and playing to like 10 people. But we would still do that anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I got I got to see you guys uh, for the first time at Psycho Las Vegas at the pool in uh, 2019. Um, you know, and and I and it was awesome and 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 cool and great, and I was happy to like check it off the list. But I I also was was like, you know, I'd like to be inside where it's not a million degrees outside, and I can just kind of comfortably drink a beer and like you know rock out to this, and not just be like, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, the only way to cool off is like you actually have to go in that like moat that's there or whatever. Like there's yeah. people in the water, you know. That that was that was a trippy one. We did uh, I think we did Psycho Fest like 2017 or 16 or something. That was that was indoors and that was that was really cool. But you can see like that that lineup is is starting to get some bands in there that don't really fit into that style of music, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it's all over the place. It's uh, it's definitely uh, taken some steps away from like kind of what it what it started out as. But yeah. I mean, they just uh, you know Desert Fest just expanded to New York, and I think that might scratch some of the people's itch to get that more like specific you know yeah. uh, genre of it all. Yeah, there's bands in like the Psycho Fest. I think was it last year? Like uh, I think Thievery Corporation played, and this other band Beach House, like kind of mellower. Mm -hmm. stuff with grooves and everything that I, yeah i was like stoked to see that that i think flame didn't flaming lips play there too i believe yeah and uh and jizza okay rad yeah so like fucking i, I love that shit i love it when there's like a bunch of bands that don't have anything to do with each other on the bill it's pretty awesome yeah we, we played with flaming lips in chicago at, at riot fest and it, it was fucking insane oh i can only fucking imagine like i mean i i love that band but watching them live like I've never like every hair on my arm was just like, <laughs> like this is so good. Like the light show, everything. Yeah, they're 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 awesome. I'm pretty pretty happy we got to play with them too. I'm kind of pivoting towards um your other band, Big Scenic Nowhere. Um, so like you know, according to the mythos, uh, BSN was created at a Del Taco between yourself and uh, Gary from Yawning Man. I'm not sure how specifically true that is. Um, I mean, more or less, like the Del Taco in Southern California is, it, it, it's pretty big with, uh, you know, everyone like late at night would go there and you could tell everyone's been like partying and shit. And it's, it's kind of one of those, it's like the White Castle of the West Coast, I suppose. It sounds uh, a lot better than White, White Castle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only, I've been to White Castle a couple of times, but yeah, Del Taco, there was like two of them right next to each other right by my high school. It was like a Starbucks situation. There's like literally yeah. right next to each other. I'm like, fucking awesome. One of my preferred over the other, but whatever. So yeah, I mean, growing up here in Southern California, it's kind of a staple around here, and 
And Gary just posted like, hey, you know, I'm home from tour. I've been gone for like two months and I'm headed to Del Taco. And I just wrote my order, you know, in, in his uh, on his post. And then, yeah, and then he called me. He's like, oh, yeah, we should we should jam, dude. So I, I, I don't know if that lit a fire under him to, to call me, <laughs> the, the Del Taco post. But we, we chatted about Del Taco for quite a bit. And then, yeah, he came out and, and we, we jammed for like three hours and, and I recorded it. And it just kind of took like all the, it was like a jigsaw puzzle just kind of dropped onto a table of just riffs and ideas and went back and I just kind of pieced them together. And like, oh, this this is this song and this one's this one. And that, that was the first full length we did was Vision Beyond Horizon. And then we went into the studio and, and jammed out uh, with a band and everything. And that was Dying on the Mountain. Um, but yeah, it all kind of, I guess it started from Del Taco. Who knows? We all dig it, so it's all right. What's your, uh, what's your go-to order? I get a regular red burrito with extra cheese and sour cream. So and to, <laughs> I was behind an old lady the other day, and she's like, can I get a regular red burrito with extra cheese and sour cream? And I'm like, that's fucking my order, dude. Like, what? Why is she getting like extra shit? Like, that's totally my order. Um, yeah, that, that's my jam in there. Or the Del Combo burrito is pretty good too. I think you could probably, you'd have to be hospitalized if you ate like thirty dollars worth of Del Taco. Like, the, the amount of food that you get is pretty, pretty remarkable. So, that my burrito is like a dollar. I've never been to the West Coast, but like, in terms of hitting like west coast specific chains like that one is pretty high up for me yeah well jack in the box just bought it which i'm like tripping out like fuck man haven't we been i don't know man i i hope it doesn't change (laughs) that's all i gotta say i hope it doesn't change but we'll see what happens because we just have chipotle out here and like i don't know i'm not really a big fan that's all right i mean i i used to i used to get those burritos because i i teach guitar for a living and I would start at like 11 and I wouldn't get done till like eight at night, just teaching all day. And, and I would just power down one of those burritos. Then I, I shouldn't be eating like, like, it's like huge. It's like the size of like a baby. It's yeah. It's like basically eating a baby. <laughs> totally. And so I get pregnant like every day. But I would eat it. <laughs> I would eat it. And then, and it'd just be so sick. But then I would be like, well, I can't eat the rest of the day. Cause I'll be teaching all day. It was like, I was like going into hibernation or something, but that's the only time I really, Dug that shit, but yeah, the Del Taco's like I, I like it really good. I will, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to try that. I mean, do you have any other uh, California food opinions? I mean, everyone goes crazy about In and Out. My family loves In and Out. I, I just there's a Del Taco right next to the In and Out that we go to, so I, <laughs> you just go to Del Taco. <laughs> yeah, like I'll get you guys your In and Out, then I'll just go get my shit after that. But uh, yeah, In and Out, you should probably try. I've had it in and out. I, I was able to try that when I was in Vegas because they had one there. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's good. There's a, there's a place uh, by the beach in San Diego and in Hodad's that's like, it, it, for burgers, it's it's pretty gnarly. I, I, I don't really go anywhere else besides besides the Dell. Any, well, any like Alejandro's or Alberto's, like there, there's all these like little like burrito shops everywhere. And I live in San Diego. So any of those are awesome. Yeah, it doesn't even matter which one. They're all really good. <laughs> What I wouldn't give to be in San Diego right now. It's fucking frigid here. Yeah, it's it's God today. It's like seventy five. Sunny. It's like that's like San Diego every day. Seventy five. Nineteen. <laughs> it's nineteen today. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Where are you at? Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Man, fucking nineteen. That's we don't we don't tour that much in the winter anymore. Like we had one. Fu Manchu had one time where. It, it was just, it was too gnarly and life-threatening and insane. And I was like, I, I, we don't need to 
Yeah, I think we all agreed we don't need to do that anymore. Try to get from like Denver to Chicago. Oh and, yeah, and then no. like in the middle of winter, and there was like a snowstorm that closed all the freeways, and us like, you know, like we got to make it to Chicago. So here's this weird mountain road that somebody saw on their phone. Let's just try that because it bypassed the freeways and that and. Dude, it was the scariest shit. I have it on video because the only way I could not have a complete meltdown and the panic attack in the van was to video it and be like, I'm not really here. This is just, I'm just watching this on fucking TV. But dude, it was nuts, man. We had the Exodus's manager, the band Exodus. He, he uh, Their manager was tour managing us for whatever reason, I guess. I mean, he, he likes Fu Manchu, but I'm like, you don't have to come in the van with us, dude. And he's like, I want to. Like, okay, cool. So he's driving us. Yeah, it was, it was just gnarly. And you, you live on the East Coast, so you're probably like, nah, California, you don't know anything about snow. But I, I've never seen shit like that snow blind before, where you just can't see where you're going until, like, you see a big rig, like, spinning out and kind of toppling off the road. And you're like, whoa, that was a close one. It was gnarly. And we did that all day until we got to the top. And then there was, like, a, a cop up there. And he's like, you guys can't pass. This road's closed. <laughs> we had to go do it backwards. Oh, my God. While, while the sun was going down. <laughs> and they got stuck. We got stuck in Laramie, Wyoming. So we pulled over in Laramie, Wyoming and just sat there for three days, like, at the hotel bar. Like, oh, my God, dude. That was, like, hair. So, yeah, we don't do shit in the winter anymore. It's just spring and spring and, and fall. That's that's cool. But that was that was gnarly. Oh, no, fuck that. That sounds horrible. Yeah, we, we've got – it's been bad out here. But we, we had it, – it's nothing like that. But we did have one like freak snowstorm a couple years ago that just shut down like all the highways, and I it was like a at the time like a thirty minute drive home for me from from work, and it turned into like four four and a half hours. It was I've never seen it before. Like it was like apocalyptic. It was so bizarre to be on uh, two eighty seven major of uh, you know freeway on the east coast in between New York and New Jersey just cars stop people getting out walking it was horrible <laughs> people, people just leaving their cars there. yeah i mean they just had that big shutdown on 95 too that was really yeah bad. yeah i got friends that are on tour that got that couldn't leave because of that uh, yeah that's that, that, uh, that's we we just just not worth it it's crazy to go out can't believe we used to do that in the winter and just go do it, <laughs> bug it you know and, and like play shows where you know like you can't if you rush out, it's off stage quickly, and your tubes are still hot. Like fuck up your amp, and like it just—it's weird. So, well, yeah, we save we save our shit for the spring and in the, the fall, and the summer in Europe, we'll, we'll go do that stuff. Well, back to BSN. Uh, it's it's uh, the band itself is more like a seem is more like an open invitation, you know, to have other really great musicians come in and add to something. Um, and it's like one of the many examples of kind of like a a big myriad scene of people coming together to, to do something neat, you know, was that always the, the ethos behind the band was to just bring in as many cool people as possible? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I started jamming with Gary, I was like, I don't know. Cause it was just me and him, you know? And so I was like, I, I don't know who we get to sing or, or, or any of that. Um, but I think with vision beyond horizon. Yeah. I just, I, I started reaching out to people. He started reaching out to people and then we came together and he's like, Oh, my buddy, Alan Johannes will do it. And I, that guy is insanely talented. The fact that I'm on a record with him is like amazing to me. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's cool. And I, you know, I reached out to the well and, and Tony Reed, both fucking equally talented and insane musicians. And uh, Tony Reed has become like a permanent member. I mean, he, he sang on a couple of tunes on Vision Beyond Horizon. He sang on, on the first EP, but he's, he's a perfect fit for the band. And yeah, everything that that guy does, it, he's good at it. and it's it scares me 
it's weird <laughs> you know like drums like oh you're an insane drummer bass guitar vocals mixing mastering it weirds me out it kind of makes me like it, it kicks my ass a little bit which is good to to you know to, to not hold much back so that's nice but yeah so we, we were just reaching out to people to see who we could get involved and the, I like the list of, of people that have guested on it. It's, it's a cool list. And we got uh, Reeves from The Cure and David Bowie on this new record. Guitar player from Voivod on the previous EP. Per Weberg. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I, I've, known him, I've known him since the 90s. Like, we shared a bus together um, on, on a Fu Manchu tour. His, his band, Spiritual Beggars. So, yeah, he, he's an amazing musician. It's, it's really cool to send that stuff out and then just kind of wait. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and there's an email like, oh, here's your tracks. It's like Christmas to me. And I, I load them in the session and just trip out on listening to it for the first time. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of all those bands, too. Mm-hmm. So for me to sit here and listen to it, I'm just like, wow, this is cool. And I'm the first dude to hear it. <laughs> that's, that's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, but the, the, the list will keep growing. You know, I mean, we're working on another I would like to do a double record. We got a, a shit ton of material from the last session we did and, and leftovers from the previous jams. We, so I would like to do a double record and just fill it up with people. Um, but well, yeah, we'll, we'll see when we get closer to, to shaping some of those jams into, into more like organized songs and stuff, what, what they need and who we'd reach out to. It's definitely a, I think it's a great example of, you know, sometimes people do a side project and it's kind of like, well, this kind of just sounds like your regular band, but like, you know, a little bit different. Whereas this is like, obviously there's elements of, you know, yours playing style in, in Fu Manchu, but it's a far more, you know, spacey, atmospheric type of music. Plus, you know, you're, you probably come from a world more of like, you know, shredding and rips and, and uh, Gary's got like, uh, I just found out Gary's got like this really weird style of playing where he plays with his fingers, which is like a pretty non-traditional uh, uh, approach to playing guitar. It's something you mostly see in like bass players, as far as I know. I mean, I I literally don't know a single fucking guitar player I've, I've seen that plays like that. So is is that like, is it a good, it's a good opportunity for you, I would imagine, to kind of like flex your guitar muscles and do something a little bit different and to, to pair it with Gary, it kind of, I would imagine too, kind of forces you to do that. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's fun. It's, it's cool. And like I said, now with, with the way that the technology has changed and people can record guitars at home a lot easier that I, I just, I come home with these, with these really long, awesome jams and just kind of, you know, it's like an ice sculpture. I just have a big block of ice and I just sit here and chip away at it for, for months until it's like presentable. And then I'll send it to Tony Reed and he'll make it like way better, you know, and add vocals and stuff like that. So it's, it's really fun to, to not like, I, I don't really have anything where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't bring that up. That's, that's too weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just go, here's everything, all the ideas I have for this. And I, I don't get offended if, if someone's like, oh, that, that's, that's too weird. That hasn't happened yet. But yeah, it's cool to be able to do stuff from home. Cause then I can load it up with ideas and just go, which one, which one do you guys prefer? So that's kind of fun. And that, that got me through, like, you know, it was such a the hard, the last two years have been so fucked for everybody that I would just come in here and put, it's like put my head in the sand. I'm like, I don't even want to know what's going on outside of this, this garage. I'm just going to trip out on music and, and add things to these jams. So Lavender Blues was that record. That was really therapeutic to be able to, to chip away. And this, this one that's coming out, The Long Morrow, um, the song, The Long Morrow, took me a long time to, to dig into and, 
and, and take it from you know a big block of ice into like kind of a sculpture that was fun that was, that was a good thing to do whenever shit got weird i would just come in here and go fuck it i'll just record music and and not not have to think about things for for a bit which is pretty rad and it, it's funny to listen to that because some of that was done before the pandemic and some of it's done during the pandemic so it's, it's weird i know which parts are which but it's weird for me to hear it like oh here's me just like yeah everything's fucking hunky-dory and then it's like the next film <laughs> is like yeah no this one's a little bit more jaded and this one's a little more angry and this one's a little bit more emotive or whatever but yeah that, that that's pretty awesome to be able to do that I, i'm fortunate in that sense i look at it as like riffs in the bank right i still have so many things from those jams that i could go on and, and just trip out on and, and redo my parts and it's it's fun it's really cool i love that it's like you know it's an opportunity for someone like you to try out something new but at the same time like it's something that uh fans of your previous work could definitely dig into but like given the fact that there's just like this i think like a, a pretty big market for that kind of uh sort of like desert rock spacey adjacent kind of stuff out there and there's obviously no shortage of like labels that want to put it out and you know you're on it's coming out through a uh, heavy psych right that's the yeah. one yeah that was a long time coming i mean that that was from a jam in 2019 and and i think i, I turned it into them like a year ago or something because it takes so long for vinyl to get made these days yeah so yeah it's, it's weird to me to think like i i kept thinking it was out or something i'm like oh that's right yeah, I can't wait for people to hear it. I mean, I, it, it's it's really good. We we worked really hard on it, and uh, it's it's a fun project to do. And I think it sonically it sounds really good, and it's it's a really good. It's a way for me to kind of drunk dial my heroes in a sense, and be like, hey, would you be willing to participate <laughs> in this? You know, like I, I said, I, I sent a lot of people emails like that. Would you mm -hmm. be willing to participate in it? And uh, sometimes they say yes, sometimes I don't hear back, but I'll continue to do that. It's pretty rad. I mean, you've brought in amazing people so so far. So I I think you'll you'll uh, continue to surprise us. Can you dish out? Uh, I mean, you kind of did already with the um, with the snow story. But could you? Is there like a, a horrible touring story or like a great one that you comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's always highlights and, and, and low parts and stuff. But a lot of it's the same day over and over again. I mean, if you talk yeah. to any touring musician, it's like you get up. And it's like a frantic search for the bathroom. And then you find the bathroom and you're like, okay, who's showered? And then we got a sound check and then we got a player show. And then it's just, it's every day. It's kind of, it's the same thing. I mean, that one was pretty horrible. Like the snowstorm thing was pretty, pretty burly. I've gotten in like the most insane food poisoning of my life on tour in Australia to the point where like, like colors would make me throw up. Like I, oh. I saw a dude at the airport with like his shirt was too orange and I was just like, Fuck! like <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. I don't know like what went down, but our tour manager, our manager and myself got sick, but I got really sick for like three days where like I was on stage just like trying not to throw up for an hour. And, you know, looking back, I kind of wish I did because it would have been pretty cool just to be like, just, like rip a lead and throw up. But uh, that was awful. That sucked. And, it, and, and in Australia, it's like you, you get up, you, you go to the airport, you fly to the next town, you play the gig, you go to bed, and you just do that all over again. Because those drives are, you know, it's, it's not really that doable to go across the outback <laughs> to the next city or whatever. I mean, you could do it, but we, we fly everywhere when we go there. So every right. day it was like, get up, just be sick, go to the airport, be sick at the airport, get on the plane, be sick on the plane, play the show. And it's just fucking awful. That sucked. But I pulled it. 
I feel like every time people go to Australia, something bad happens. I mean, another highlight was I got to go surfing in Australia on a previous tour. <clears throat> that was really fun because usually on the road, it's like you're just, you're not really doing anything. You're just kind of laying around and eating like shit and drinking too much and whatever. So that was really cool. A fan like took us out surfing and I was like, oh, I could probably, I could get used to that on the road. It's not like, you know, eating at a Denny's and then climbing in a van for 10 hours and just laying yeah. Watching your gut jiggle around, so that that was really fun to go surfing on tour. Going to Japan with Manchu was really fun. That was, that was a weird time. <clears throat> I'd like to go back, back to Japan and do that again. Meeting Devo, that was a huge highlight. I got a big Devo poster right here. Like, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, having having them like give us a tour of their their headquarters, and I, I'm a huge fan. So that was that was probably one of the bigger ones for me. Where I was just tripping out. Like, I don't really get like. Oh, there he is. You know, I don't get like starstruck or anything. Yeah. But seeing those dudes, I was just like, oh, fuck, this is weird. This is, I was really nervous. So that, that was a good one. That was really cool. Playing with Black Flag, playing with Motorhead, like touring with Motorhead. Uh, all that shit was insane. Touring with Anthrax. But yeah, every, every band, I'll tell you, it's just, it's a lot of the same day over and over and over again. You know, you get to the point where, you know, you show up at venue and someone's like, "Oh, yeah, we played here last spring," and I'm like, I, "It's the first, first time I've ever seen this place. I don't really remember that at all." <laughs> every every day just kind of melts into the next. So, well, now you, you're kind of talking about like you know people being in awe and whatnot. I mean, like, how do you feel now? Like, you know, being essentially like in one of the legacy bands of an entire genre of music at this point. You know, you kind of Fu Manchu and sort of like by proxy, Big Scenic Nowhere kind of occupy a position where you're like. You know, you're a big one of the scene, but, you know, maybe unlike some other bands that have thrown in the towel, like you still offer a lot of opportunities these days to draw in new fans. I mean, I'm, I'm honored that people still dig it and want to come check it out and everything. And, you know, we're, we're all friends first and foremost. So, like I said, we'd probably be doing this regardless of whatever. I think that if, if you do something as long as we have, that somebody's bound to take notice. <laughs> yeah. Like, Holy shit. These dudes have been, you know, 30th anniversary. 32nd anniversary, whatever. Yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked to, to, to continue to do it. And I don't really trip on like how far we've come, I guess. Uh, you know, to me, it's just, we're just the same four knuckleheads that, that just get together and make music that we want to hear and, and record it and, and just tour and try to try to take it one van fart at a time. You know, can't really, can't ask for more than that. But. And not, you know, obviously album is, uh, you know, going to be out, but I mean, do you have anything else in the works? Um, you know, I, you got teased today. You said you had tons of riffs that you couldn't pull from, but I mean, are you working on any other projects like new Fu Manchu? Could we expect more, uh, big scenic nowhere next year? Yeah. Yeah. Both. Yeah. We, we, new Fu Manchu, uh, we're working on the third EP, which would have been for our 30th anniversary. We are doing three EPs that would, mm. that would become one record. So we're doing that. And we've got a very special guest vocalist on one cover tune that I can't really say yet, but I know that anyone that loves Fu Manchu is going to be like really stoked, guaranteed that they've heard of this band and this guy. So that's pretty awesome. So we got that in the works. Big Snake Nowhere's got hours of things that I got to sift through um, to start working on. So what is it, January? I would be shocked if it came out this year, um, next beginning of next year, hopefully like a full length if not a double record, if we let some of these jams just kind of, if, if, if we don't chop them up and just let them kind of do their thing, I think a double record would be really easy. I'm doing this other project named Slower, 
where we we played Slayer songs, but we do them like super slow with, <laughs> with baritone guitars, which I don't have my baritone here. I'd, I'd show you. But yeah, so I tuned really low and played slow. And I've reached out to a number of people for that. And I've got a, a lineup pretty much locked down, hopefully. I mean, I got vocals, drums, and bass, and everyone's like, yeah, let's do this. And so uh, that will be the first EP would be uh, South of Heaven and War Ensemble. So when you take those two Slayer songs and stretch them out and play them really slow, War Ensemble's like 12 minutes and South of Heaven's like 10 minutes or something. And it, it sounds really cool. I was hesitant to fuck with it because I love Slayer and it's like, I don't know, I feel like I'm like poking a tiger or something. Like, hey, I'm gonna fucking... <laughs> but I, yeah, it sounds really cool and, and I love it. And I was doing it with my buddy, the drummer from Poison Idea and he passed away and... Um, so I just kind of shelved it for a year. And then, uh, yeah, I thought it was time to dust it off. And so the guitars are done. Um, so that'll be cool. Hopefully that'll be coming out next year. So yeah, new, new Big Snake Nowhere, New Fu Manchu. New, new Fu Manchu, hopefully. Well, we do have a new one coming out this year. Um, a cover of the Surf Punks, My Wave, and two originals. Sounds, yeah, it sounds insane. It sounds really good. So that'll be out this year. And then... The Fu Manchu EP with the guest vocalist next year, Big Sink Nowhere next year, hopefully slower next year. It'd be really fun to get that out. And uh, I, I did this other project with the, both Scott readers called Sun and Sail Club a while back. Um, and yeah, I've been kicking around a bunch of those riffs too. So that stuff's like really kind of aggressive, technical punk kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So that I just have to be in that mindset to sit down and just be like oh fuck it all right it's done you know what i mean there, you can't i don't labor over it right. so i wait for those moments and those moments keep coming back now <laughs> so i'm like oh there's that Ugh. it's like you just throw up something and you're like okay there's that one done to wait i might wait till i'm like nauseous enough to like just bust out one of those riffs so yeah we'll see what that ha how that goes but yeah and then fubei choose touring in march hopefully fingers crossed we'll be in your neck of the woods at the bowery ballroom i believe I've still got my ticket, so. Oh, good, right on. Yeah, so hopefully that you know I'm keep keep your fingers crossed. I keep you know keep hoping. It looks like by March, hopefully you know shows won't be as sketchy. But it wasn't. And we could do some shit. So, and I think we're doing another states run at the end of this year and two Europe runs in the, like the summer and the spring. Mm -hmm. So, but then again, we'll see how that how that goes. Every day is another story. And then, uh, have you been listening to anything lately of note uh, that's really caught your eye? Hey, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh my god, that band's been around forever." I, I, Tame and Paula, I really dig. I, th I think that they're good. That, yeah, that dude's super talented. Um, god, what else have I been listening to lately? When I'm working on like music, I, I don't really tend to listen to other people's stuff that much. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll get up in the morning and throw on like an old Kiss record or something. Right. But yeah, I, I, don't, I like newer bands. Uh, I I liked uh, I picked up Black Mountain. Uh, I think it's four. That record's really cool. I like that one. I don't really know of any like newer things. I listen to a lot of like jazz guitar shit at home, like real mm. mellow, real mellow stuff, or like seventies like soft rock. Now that I'm in my forties, I, 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 it's not <laughs> it's not ironic anymore. It's just something I enjoy. <laughs> so it's like yeah, a lot a lot of that shit. Um, but yeah, as far as like brand new bands, I don't really, I don't really know much of what's going on out there. I like Beach House. I mean, that shit's cool. They played Psychopaths. Mm -hmm. I mentioned them earlier. I guess they're kind of newer. Oh, it doesn't have to be new. Just literally anything that you've been like, you know, listening to, uh, you know, just a recent that you thought was like 
stood out to you or whatever. Yeah. It's all the same shit. You know, there's nothing, nothing really too crazy out of the work. Once in future bands, pretty rad. You ever heard those guys? I've, I feel like I've heard the name once in future band. Yeah. They're killer. They're kind of like proggy. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what I did listen to recently that I thought was pretty rad. Um, I fuck. I, what, what's the guitar player from uh, Stone Temple Pilots? What's his name? Uh, DeLeo? Dean yeah, DeLeo? that dude. And, and they're like some some Tennessee like session guy, Bukovac or something. I forgot his name. Anyway, they're, they're like both really insane guitar players. They got together and they did this record called Trip the Witch, I believe. Um, that's rad. It's kind. Of, it's real Floydy, real mellow, almost like psychedelic. And then they have the singer from Yes doing a, a song with them too. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. It, I, I was like, I'm tripping out on it. I, I teach guitar for a living, like I said. So I, people are throwing me these, like, oh, learn this, learn this. I want to know what this guy's up to. And like that that one, one of my students sent me, and I was like, whoa, this is fucking rad. Like, this is really cool. Trip trip the Witch, I believe it's called. I might be wrong. Uh, All right, I'll check that out. You got anything you want to plug? Obviously, new album. Uh, yeah, I mean, just look, look out for tour dates in your area hopefully things open wide up and we can start playing shows again that'll be really fun uh new fu manchu ep this year another one next year new big scenic nowhere on friday and then a new big scenic nowhere next year and, and slower and all that shit and yeah just i don't know man i guess i, I kind of plugged it all i suppose and bob does teach guitar that's true yeah i do i gotta i gotta split in, in like seven minutes but yeah i, I sit in this chair surrounded by amps and pedals and shit and talk about guitars all day which is it's a really good gig i dig it i've been doing that for a long time yeah it helps my playing it's good it keeps it keeps the keeps my fingers limber i just taught a van halen solo before this call so i'll be digging into that and going this this lick is now mine for later and this one's now mine for later (laughs) nice well if you're looking for a teacher i you know bob's your man yeah that's true and he's your uncle (laughs) <laughs> I am an uncle to a few. Thank you so much for coming on. Real pleasure to have you on to hear you talk about food and Big Seek Nowhere and whatnot. And uh, get the album. It'll be out uh, January 14th. I think, like I said, this episode will be out after that. But go check it out regardless. I'm sure you all will. And uh, looking forward to seeing Fu Manchu again. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Take care. And that'll do it for this chapter right. of the diaries. Good talking to you. Thank you.
the street. 